Hi, and welcome to the Movement and Mindfulness Podcast with me, Erica Webb of Erica Webb Yoga and Pilates. In this podcast, I, along with my guests, will explore what it means to move as an act of self-kindness and self-discovery. We'll look at the ways movement, mindset, and mindfulness support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I truly believe that movement has the ability to expand our capacity to show up for the things that are important to us. And I'm here to help you embrace the idea of movement as a powerful tool for wellness, rather than just another thing you think you should be doing. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's do this. Hey there. Welcome to episode 13 of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast with me, Erica. I am thrilled that you're joining me again, and I hope that you have loved all of the amazing guests that I've had on so far. Um, I know that I have had a lot of really awesome feedback about the stories that are, are being shared and those moments of just like having your view expanded, I suppose. And so that is so amazing for me. I absolutely love it. And today is just a shorter episode, just me on my own. And I wanted to talk about something that I posted on social media during the week last week that kind of got people saying yes to it, I suppose, for want of a better term. And it's something that I think is really important and particularly important at the moment when we find that a lot of us are still in isolation and we're in this very uncertain time where, you know, things are starting to change with the coronavirus situation um, and we, you know, have this expectation that perhaps we're going to be experiencing more freedoms, but we're also conscious of all the things that are going on in our own worlds. And, you know, I know for myself, right at the start of this sort of global situation, I not intentionally, but kind of subconsciously created some expectations for myself about all the things that I might be able to achieve. And in particular, I was curious about, you know, all the stuff that maybe we could get done around the house and all the good habits that I could start to create for myself. And now I think we're maybe week seven or something like that, maybe week eight of isolation. And, you know, that those things have not happened. And there's a part of me that is disappointed. And then there's another massive part of me that's like, you know what, it really doesn't matter right now. Like it just doesn't matter. And so I wanted to talk to you about a concept that incorporates these ideas of should, wanting to, and feeling like it. So there was a, a quote, I suppose it was a quote, it's my quote, um, that I shared on Instagram and Facebook during the work, during the week. And I said, thinking that you should is not the same as wanting to. Wanting to is not the same as feeling like it. And I really think that that's an important distinction that we really all need to consider. Because so often we get stuck in this idea of all the things we think we should be doing. And should is such a prickly word. And I'm sure I've talked about this before, but this idea that you should be doing something implies a sense of not enoughness if you don't. It implies a sense of, you know, failure if you don't get there. Wanting to, on the other hand, has an idea sort of ingrained in it that we have our eye on an outcome that we want. And so, you know, I could want to have a routine around movement, 
because I know that having that makes me feel a certain way or it helps me to be strong or it helps me to feel calmer or whatever it might be. That is not the same as feeling like I should. Feeling like I want to is really very different to feeling like I should because it comes from a different intention. But the other really important distinction here is that wanting to is not the same as feeling like it. So there could be something that you really want to do and you just, quite frankly, do not feel like it. And I think that a lot of us can relate to that when it comes to exercise. So, you know, ask even the most prolific exercises that you know. And a lot of the time they don't feel like it. You know, they don't get up and just think, oh, I can't wait to to go and do that exercise. I mean, sometimes they do for sure, but there are a lot of moments where it's like, I actually don't feel like it. And that's where we can get into this struggle of, I don't feel like it, but I should. And I feel like that wanting to is that in the middle part where we maybe can find ourselves a little bit of motivation or a little bit of grace or a little bit of something that we need to get us from knowing that we want something to maybe doing it even though we don't feel like it. Um, Because I think that sometimes when we drop should, we can believe that we end up in a place of complacency where, you know, if we don't if we shouldn't use the word should, then, you know, what are we left with? What kind of impetus are we left with to do anything? And I think that this is where wanting to really comes into its own. Because when we want to do something, we understand what it is we're aiming for. And from that place, we can make a decision of, okay, I might not feel like it, but do I want the outcome that I know this thing is going to give me? And so if we bring this to, you know, the world of, of yoga, there are countless number of, you know, people who tell me that one of the biggest challenges that they have when it comes to incorporating more yoga into their lives or any kind of mindful movement for that matter is because they just don't have the motivation for it or they don't have the time. And when we feel that lack of motivation and time, but we believe that we should be doing it, we end up in this really sort of fraught situation where we kind of can't win either way. We feel guilty if we don't do it. We feel um, coerced if we do. And so understanding, you know, why is it that you want to do the thing? Is it because unrolling your yoga mat and doing some movement allows you to feel a different way than you do currently and that way is something that you desire? Is it because when you show up for yourself in that way, you kind of increase your capacity to show up for all the other things in your life in the way that you want to? You know, it could be countless number of reasons, but understanding those reasons sometimes helps you kind of like leap that hurdle of just not feeling like it because that is the human condition. You know, if we waited for motivation, we'd all be waiting a really long time or we'd go pretty hard to start with and then we would just stop. So I wanted to give you a... um, a little bit of an example around this from from my own world. Way back when I was doing my yoga teacher training, which I guess was about 11 years ago, I 
or 10, I don't know, I can't count. It was a while ago anyway, about a decade. Back when I was doing my yoga teacher training, one of the requirements of the training was that we committed to one hour of meditation every day. And I came into that teacher training as, you know, a a fairly long-term yoga practitioner um, in the movement field. And I dabbled with a little bit of meditation, but I certainly hadn't meditated for an hour at a time and not with any sense of consistency. But I am nothing if not a rule follower, or I, I certainly was back then. I'm not so much now. And so I took that commitment really seriously. If I say I'm going to do something, then I, I tend to be pretty committed to it. And so I would sit for every for every day. I would sit for an hour and I would meditate. But the reality is that it was a thing that I had to tick off my list of things to do. It really sat there alongside all the other chores, what I considered to be chores. And whilst I did definitely benefit from the experience, and you know that there's there's no doubt about that the angle that i came to that practice from didn't ultimately serve me in the way that it could have if i'd come at it from a different place and so when something kind of sits on your to-do list as a to-do and it's just a should because it's on the list you know there's a heaviness around kind of committing to that or there's a heaviness around the, the the doing part of that. Now, you know, a decade later, I'm just refinding a consistency with a meditation practice. It's the sort of thing that I've always come back to time and time again, usually in much smaller doses. I don't sit for an hour anymore, but, you know, I've used it as a um, almost like I use my movement snacks. I've, I've taken these little sort of meditation snacks and I'm just starting to get into a little bit more of a rhythm with it again. But now my approach is very different. I'm not doing it as something to tick off my list. I'm doing it because I'm very clear on the outcome that it gives me. And that is what I want when I sit down. I don't want to simply go through the motions and tick it off my list to say, hooray, Erica, you've done this thing, move on. What I really want is all of the things that creating that practice for myself offers me in the end. So, you know, I want the clarity of thinking. I want the um, patience. I want all these things that I know I gain from a consistent meditation practice. And I really feel like even though to say it out loud seems so obvious, I think most of us sit in the ticket off the list kind of mentality when if we shift it into why do I want it, we really offer ourselves, you know, a a much more pleasant place to play from, to explore from. And then, you know, when we choose not to do it, it's not choosing in this sort of should battle. It's just choosing. It's just deciding that today you're not moving in that direction. And I think that that is a much more, well, I, want to, I don't know which word to use. It's a, it's a much more um, centered place to operate from because we're not being pulled and pushed. We're just, you know, making a choice in the direction of the thing that we want or not. And it, it can be a little bit simpler in its application. But also, even though it's simpler, I think the outcome is far more profound. So I hope that gives you a little bit of food for thought. 
I'd love to know what your shoulds are. <laughs> My shoulds have, um, you know, always been around, you know, how, how I should be eating, how I should be moving, how I should be meditating, how I should be parenting, all of this stuff. Um, and I really find myself now when that word pops into my mind questioning, you know, why do I believe I should and how can I switch it out from a, a should to, you know, what is it that I want? Um, and that really has changed the game a little bit for me. So thank you for listening into my musings. I'd love you to come on over and find me on Instagram or Facebook and share with me how you're enjoying the podcast. If you've got any particular questions or any particular insights, I would love to hear them. And, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast and you have the time, I would absolutely love you to um, leave me a quick review. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe because that does help um, other people to find it, which is amazing. So I will be back on Thursday with a special guest. This week I am chatting with the beautiful Karen Bleakley and we are talking about how Karen kind of infused her her, her identity, I suppose, with being a mover and how that changed her relationship with exercise. So I know you're going to get a lot out of that interview and I can't wait to share it with you. I will talk to you again then. 